Good morning, Conduit. How are you? If uh, you're a visitor with us this morning or if you knew, you're new, my name is Cameron. I'm one of the pastors here. And um, that was Pastor Corey that was just up here. Pastor Eric, our lead pastor. Um, he, he really enjoys being called Pastor Eric instead of Pastor Corey. Um, it's a term of respect, okay? And honor. Uh, I'm grateful to be. Uh, I'm grateful to be up here this morning, and uh, I want to jump right in because we have more, more material than we can possibly cover. Okay, so um, I want to do a little bit of review of the last few weeks in prayer, uh, both from Pastor Corey's sermon two weeks ago and the sermon last week as well, and kind of have like uh, six. Six main points of review, okay? So these, these are not new, uh, so we're not going to spend a lot of time on them, but they are um, foundational to where we're building up. Uh, the first one is this, is that uh, prayer is not a natural thing. That prayer, it, it must be taught, must be learned, it must be developed in your life. There is one thing, and one thing only, that the disciples asked that Jesus teach them to do. It was not do miracles. It was not um, raise people from the dead. It wasn't multiply the loaves and the fishes. It wasn't heal with authority. The one thing the disciples wanted Jesus to teach them to do was to pray. It's not a natural thing. Our, our souls, our minds, our spirits, we are not naturally inclined to be, to be people of prayer. So it must be something that is developed um, over time. One of Jesus' greatest prayer habits was the habit of solitude. The habit of getting alone in order to focus his mind, to focus his heart, uh, to focus his prayers. I don't think anyone needs um, any more in-depth explanation about the white the kind of the white noise of life that can so easily distract us in at times of prayer. Um, number three, every bit of power that our prayer has comes through Jesus. Every bit of power. So anytime that we are exercising our prayer muscles right and and prayer is prayer is like a muscle right you know how many people in here run like they jog for exercise okay um how many people exercise <laughs> okay all right so let's say you're a jogger for exercise right you like to run okay um and you're like you've been on the the couch to 5k uh couch to 5k plan and you're like you got a 5k to run and so but instead of that you just decide well i'm just going to skip the 5k and i'm going to jump right into the marathon right are you going to experience a abundance of success like operating in that way well i don't really pray i don't really I don't really run, but I'm just going to jump right into the marathon, and, and it'll be all right. No, we don't do that, like, right? We have, we have muscles. We have lungs, right? We have the, the mental aspect of competing at a very high level like that that we must build up to, and prayer is the exact same way, that, that the more we pray, the stronger our prayer muscles become, the more... Um, the more listen, the more success we will experience in prayer, and yes, I'm speaking about prayer success, right? The more success we will experience in prayer, the more we pray. And that every bit, and, that, and we will come to a greater understanding that every bit of power that we have in prayer has come through Jesus. Meaning that we, we don't, when we pray, we don't, we don't operate on an authority that is our own. We, we, we operate under an authority that, that Jesus has given to us by faith because he has 
cleared the path. He has opened the doorway between us and the Father. So that, so that when we pray, we pray intentionally to the Father in the name of Jesus, right? In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We, we come, Father, in the authority that you have given to us by faith in Jesus Christ, Lord, knowing that you hear our prayer because of Jesus. Um, so we pray, our prayer is to the Father, right? This is the way that Jesus taught his disciples to pray, right? This is the way that, um, this is what he admonished the, the, um, the hypocrites for in Matthew chapter 5, right? That our prayer is to always and forever be directed at the Father. Now that seems like it may be a little like Captain Obvious, right? Um, but it's not so obvious. Maybe theologically it's really obvious that we pray to God the Father, right? But, but, but so often we've, we've found that um, our prayer, right, that when we pray, we tend to pray for the benefit of those who are around us and listening, right? We don't, we don't pray to the Father, right? We pray with the anticipation and the hope that the person that's standing next to us will hear the prayer, right, and be encouraged by what we're saying or be lifted up by what we're saying or be convicted by what we're saying. Dear Lord, I just pray that Larry, I don't know how many Larry's in here, do we? I don't, I just pray that Larry Lord, would just stop being such a jerk and um, that he would be more generous to me, right? Uh, so <laughs> it's, a, you know, it's a vaulted example, right? But the idea is that sometimes we pray because we want the people around us to hear the things that we're praying and be, and be affected by the things that we're saying to be to be moved maybe sometimes in a in a completely innocent and encouraging and and positive way but listen listen prayer real prayer is the the target of prayer is our father in heaven it's not for the benefit of those around us it's not for the ears of anyone else it does and can be for the benefit of those around us but not but not through us you understand it's like it's like prayer prayer becomes a redirect the father becomes a a redirect of our prayer of of maybe encouragement or 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 blessing or conviction to someone else right and not just this form of kind of like passive gossip or passive aggressiveness where we're praying for the person in the room right but don't it's it's okay because we're praying um it's not okay. Don't do that. Um, prayer should be fervent. Uh, we read from James uh, chapter 5 last week where uh, we learned that uh, fervency is a measure of intensity, right? That fervent fans of sports teams do not sit and whisper quietly to themselves or cheer on their team in their head, right? While they're showering, or on their drive to work, right? And call it or expect it to be themselves a fervent fan, right? Uh, we learned that the prayer of the fervent people, the, the fervent prayer is effective prayer. Uh, and then last, at least, um, from Matthew chapter 5, we learned that prayer is to be simple, Prayers to be simple. In fact, if there was a direct thing that Jesus spoke um, uh, against the Pharisees and Sadducees for in Matthew chapter 6 is um, verse 7. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. 
so that, so that thinking that we, we, we need to speak in a complex theological, you know, King James Version type of English, thee and thou, and say it in the right formula and the right way and the right order and for a certain amount of time. Otherwise, God won't hear it. It's just nonsense. It's just nonsense. That, that, that prayer, prayer is to be simple. Prayer is to be an, an overflow and reflection of the heart to the Father. Like a, like, a child, like a child speaks to a parent, so we pray to the Father. Okay? Um, so I want to, that's, that's for you. Okay? So if you haven't listened to the uh, few sermons in the series, I would encourage you to hop on the app or go to the website and, um, and listen to those because there's a lot more um, in there that we think would be um, beneficial for you. And I'm just going to come alongside of what Pastor Corey said earlier uh, in terms of um, the seven and sevens, the 21 pr- um, days of prayer at Conduit. Truly and honestly, I hope that, I think you know this, but I, I want to I say it like flat out say it. Like, um, like we don't get, we, I don't get a bonus or a raise if this room is full for prayer at 7 a.m. or 7 p.m. or like that you all come to worship night or something like that. I don't, we don't work on commission here, right? It's not like it's not like we're pushing you to be there because it 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 makes us feel better or uh, or or somehow it it affects anything having to do with us or our own personal agendas here. Listen, um, what we try to do is we try to create environments where you can grow in your faith. Period. And, 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 and we believe that if you want to do those things, and, and we believe that if you desire a, 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 deeper, um, a deeper discipline of prayer in your life, or you desire more communion with the Father in worship, or you desire to, be, to learn and to be taught and to develop discipline of prayer, that these are avenues that you can use to be taught, to learn, and to develop that discipline and if you don't you don't okay um but but know that that we want to do everything that we can to create environments where um you can experience jesus uh so um there there is there's so there's so much right that could be dealt with in that in in, in the mix-up of that, so we're, we're, we're doing our best to grab all kinds of things, right, and throw it in the pot and give you an opportunity to experience and to, to grow and to, be, and to be challenged. And um, I was reading um, from the kind of the class, it's a classic book, it's called Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster. Um, a good bit of you have heard it, and he goes through all of these spiritual disciplines, two of them being prayer and fasting, and he, he says this about prayer. He says, prayer is the central avenue God uses to transform us. If we are unwilling to change, we will abandon prayer as a noticeable characteristic of our lives. Uh, and so, so, so my, my hope is that that your desire for the Lord, your desire for Him to sanctify your heart, to sanctify your life, to sanctify your thoughts and your relationships, your home, right? That that in in the desire for the Lord to transform you, that that you will lean in and press in and take advantage of um, opportunities to do so. Um, there is a aspect. I will say an aspect of prayer, maybe a prayer saying um, that happens a lot um, that I think has tremendous spiritual value to prayer, but also um, really muddies the water of prayer. Um, it's funny, um, it, it's a complete coincidence that we're, we're doing this series on prayer and that the, the open house that my wife and I lead um, had decided to read and study a book called The Circle Maker. You might be familiar with it. It's really good. Um, but anyway, it's a prayer about, it's a book about prayer, okay? And um, this, this, 
past week, the, uh, we, were, we were reading this chapter, and there was one, uh, one little section, like two sentences, that a couple of us noted in our discussion was really powerful for us. And I wanted to share it with you because, um, because I think it does change the way that we pray. And we do a little bit of thinking um, and praying and talking about um, the will of God. Because uh, what, what often, what often um, happens is that uh, we, we pray, right? And maybe we're praying about something that is, that is deeply personal, right? And we're praying with fervency. And we're praying with, with hope. And we're praying in, in, in expectation. And we're pleading with the Lord uh, to act on our behalf or to, to move or to something or to or to show himself to us and we're we're laying it all out in faith and at the end of the prayer we say if it but but only if it's your will but but only if it's your will in jesus name amen this is kind of like a tagline that we attach to the end of all of our prayers because um why? Why? Well, I mean, we, we can make the case that, well, well, Jesus prayed, if it be your will, Father. I mean, in, in, in a sense, yes, he did. And one example in Scripture from Matthew chapter 26, where Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, a few separate times he asked the Father, if what I'm about to, what I'm about to do, right? If going to the cross, Lord, if, if what you need accomplished can be accomplished in some other way other than for me to bear this cup of suffering, then, then Lord, please make it so. Not what I will, but what you will. What, what, whatever it would be your will. And so, well, Jesus prayed, um, you know, um, if it be your will. And so we should pray if it would be your will. And, um, okay, heard, understand. Um, I think the connection that Jesus had with the Father was maybe a touch different than ours. Um, the understanding that Jesus had of the overall cosmic plan of the Father was maybe just a touch different than ours. I think that there are some, um, certainly some similarities and in, in, in instances where we can, we can learn a lot from Jesus' prayer life. And I think there are some other things as well um, that are um, too holy for us to even approach or touch. And I don't know if this is one of those things or not, but what I do know is that um, many times when you and I affix that if it be your will tagline at the end of our prayers, we're not doing it because we saw Jesus do it and so we should do it as well. We're doing it as a kind of passive expression of our doubt that it would really happen. And if we just, if we just post that if it be your will tagline at the end of our prayer, when it doesn't happen, we can walk away and saying it must not have been God's will. It must not have been God's will. We, we, we hedge our bets. We, we temper our expectations. We, we actually put a qualifier on our prayer with an expression of doubt so that we're not disappointed. If it be your will. We, we, we pray boldly like deep prayers of faith, we pour out our heart, we, we fillet our spirit open, we give it all to God, we pray with fervent expectation and we ask him to move and we plead for him to move and, and we are calling on the promises of God in scripture, but only if it's your will, Lord. But only if it's your will. Listen, we can pray prayers that we know are the will of God. Did you know that? Where we don't have to say, if it is your will. We can pray prayers that we, we know God will be quick to answer. But the real, I want to get down to this question of why, why do we pray? Why? Why do we pray if it, if it be your will? Um, and... 
I want to, I, I, I present this, and we talked about, if you're in my open house, this is like old news for you, right? We talked about this last week, so um, it's review, okay? Um, but but why, why, why do we pray this? I, I think that we pray, if it be your will, because um, honestly, um, I think that we, and I mean Christians, all right, have largely um, been led to believe that God's will is fixed. That God has an eternal, cosmic, complex, multifaceted, layered plan, and it is carved in the stone of eternity, and we can only hope to pray something that just by coincidence happens to already be carved in the stone of God's fixed will. And I want to tell you this, that is unequivocally not the picture of Scripture. That God's will is not a fixed thing. That God's, God has not made up his mind. I guess the, the, the real question is, is, can we, or can God, does God change his mind? Does God change his mind? Like, well, this was going to happen, but Cameron prayed fervently and expectantly and with the authority of Jesus Christ and this was going to happen but now this is going to happen can God change his mind it's an important question for us to wrestle with okay um I believe the answer is yes that not only can God change his mind but God does change his mind we have examples of this in Scripture. This is, not a, this is not a new idea. For instance, if you would look at Exodus chapter 32, right? Moses and God are on the mountain, right? And the wicked Israelites are down at the base of the mountain, and they've fashioned for themselves a golden calf, and they're worshiping it in the absence of Moses, their leader, right? And what does God say to Moses? God says, I am going to go down there and destroy all of those wicked people. Like, I'm fed up with this. And Moses, right? This completely blows this way, right? But Moses is like, bro, chill. Chill. I mean, like, listen, you, you, you brought them out of Egypt. You, you delivered them from the Egyptians, right? You've been in all this work, right? You've brought them, them to this point. Can you, can we not, can we not destroy everyone, please? Could we maybe change that decision? Of course, we know that. Moses went down, right? He scolded everyone. He destroyed the golden calf, and then he went back up to the mountain, right? Got the Ten Commandments, and came back down. God didn't destroy. Did Moses change God's mind? Or was God just playing a game to see if Moses would really um, act on behalf of the Israelites to try? God knew all along he wasn't going to do it, but it was just an empty threat to Moses. Or did Moses change his mind? God's mind. I believe Moses changed God's mind. I, I think the simplest answer is the right one, right? I believe that when, when, when Abraham pleaded with God not to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, if he could find just one righteous person in it, that, that God actually changed his mind and listened to Abraham. Last week, um, I was standing here after the service, and um, my, uh, I was talking to someone at the end of the service, and I, my, um, my son, my oldest son, who is eight today, today is his birthday, Noah, today is Noah's birthday, and um, 
as is his custom every Sunday, both before and after church, he asks if he can ride to church with me and then ride home with me while the rest of my family um, goes. And um, it really depends on my mood, honestly. Depends on how busy I am, depends on how stressed I am, depends on how many people need to talk to me, either before or after, just depends, right? Whether or not I say, yeah, you can ride with me, or yeah, you can stay and ride home with me, or no, I need you to go with mom. I was standing here in the middle, and I saw him walking down the outside aisle out of the corner of my eye, and he was walking my way, and I knew exactly what the question was going to be when he got to me. He got to me, and he was kind of like semi, like eight-year-old patients, right? He was semi-patient, you know, like, and I, I turned to him, Noah, what would you like? Um, can I ride home with you? Um, and I kind of had already made up my mind when I saw him coming that today was not going to be, today was not a good day, so I was going to send him home to be with mom. Um, and I said, no, you need to go with mom. And just like, I mean, you would think that I smashed his favorite toy. Like, just so downcast, like, so disappointed. Like, like you could tell that the, like, the, the tears were welling up in his eyes. But he wanted to be brave, and he wanted to be obedient, and he didn't want to, because we talk a lot in our house about having good attitudes, right? And, and being joyfully obedient. And, and, um, and so he, okay. So he turned around and he walked out. Just the, even his posture as he walked out was like this, you know, just completely dejected. Wanted to stay and play with his friends. And I am standing here and I'm watching his obedience to me in the midst of what he does not want to do, right? Just absolute obedience. And I have rejected his request. And in that moment, like, you know, when you've like hurt someone's feelings and you get that like pit in your stomach you're like oh and it felt like man like I crushed him even something simple like that I knew he was probably already out at the van so I grabbed my phone out of my pocket I called my wife hey have you left yet no we're still in the parking lot tell Noah I changed my mind he can stay send him in we came in, he played with his friends, you know, and then we left maybe 10 or 15 minutes later. Now, listen, why did I change my mind? Why? Because, I mean, there's, there's, lots, of, there's lots of reasons, right? Um, but, but I think that at the core of it, right, um, at the core of all of this is that um, God, God changes his mind because God allows himself to be affected by those that he loves. God allows himself to be affected by us because he loves us. Like, yeah, God may have a plan, right? He might have made up his mind already when he sees us coming down the sanctuary to pray, right? Or to ask if he can stay. He may have, he may have made that decision already, right? But, but in his heart of love, and, and, and desire for us, the way that he fathers us and cares for us, pours out his compassion on us, is that, is that he, it is, a sign of, it is a sign of his eternal strength that he allows himself to be moved emotionally even by those that he loves. And when we and when we, we pray to God, we are, we are um, not, not in a manipulative way, we are, we are tugging on the heartstrings of the one who gave it all so that we would know him. To think that God's will is fixed strikes at the heart of his love for us. It strikes 
at the heart of everything else this scripture says about praying with faithful expectation and being persistent in prayer and being fervent in prayer and 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 asking and and seeking and and knocking and then receiving and then See, the reason that God answers prayer, the reason that God answers prayer is because his children ask. We're not trying to manipulate God or to tell him what to do. That would be that would be foolish. The, our our prayers, my prayer, your prayer, uh, we they they are best prayed when they are reflex reflex actions of the spirit's prior initiative on our heart. So when we talk about God's will, we talk about praying um, in God's will, we have to understand this, that, or I, I should say it like this, is that we can pray prayers that we know will be answered. And it's kind of a, like a, maybe like, well, there's no magic formula, okay? There's no like, say it the right way, do it the right way, say the right words but 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 understand this when we when we pray prayers that god is eager to answer in our lives guess what he does he eagerly answers them so how do we know right what are the what are prayers right that that are that god is eager to answer how how do i know right that that i'm i'm praying so as to activate by faith God's desire to move in a specific direction in my life. Well, there's, there's lots of different like, ways that we can think about the will of God, right? God's will, right? We think about maybe God's like, general will over here, which would be categorized kind of like as his character, right? So God is holy, God is loving. God is merciful. God is judge. Right? So, um, for instance, if I pray, it's going to be something like um, totally um, blown out of proportion, like, Lord, if it would be your will, um, I really need this lie to not be found out. Lord, I, I really need, um, I'm going to kill this person, but I just need it to be Okay. If it be your will, Lord, that I kill this person, then don't stop me from doing it. Or st- <laughs> All right? So we pray, we pray something complete, like, that, that is completely, um, that, is, that is a complete antithesis to the character and nature of the God that we serve, right? We, we, we know that's, that, that's, not a, that's not a prayer that's going to be honored or... Or, or answered because it strikes at the heart and character of who we know God to be. But we also have to understand that, that, God's, that God's will is also um, specific when it comes to um, circumstantial aspects of life. My life, your life, the direction of a church, right? The direction of a family, whether or not I take a job, whether or not I move over here, whether or not we do this with our children. 
Um, because when we, when, we pray, when we pray prayers, right, uh, we have to understand that there are aspects to prayer or aspects to the answer that we might not fully see. Here's an example. Um, so we, we use, uh, we use the, uh, the verse um, Psalm 37 verse 4. Okay, I, I tell you that uh, for years and years and years and years of growing up, uh, my mom was a single mom. Um, uh, we didn't, you know, she didn't have a lot of money. She was raising my sister and I. Um, you know, as a kid, you don't understand those things, right? But I wanted so badly for all of growing up, I wanted a Power Wheels. You know what Power Wheels is, right? Go, go, Power Wheels. Yes, you're with me? You know what a Power Wheels is? Right, everyone knows what a Power Wheels is, okay? Little Escalade, you drive around, it's got the battery, right? You know, like you're, you know, bumping on Main Street, right? Um, so I, like, I wanted one so bad. And I felt like, I, and I've been taught in Sunday school, like, well, you, you pray for the things that you want God to do, and, like, and he will answer, okay? And so I prayed for a Power Wheels, and 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 I prayed for Power Wheels, and like, I don't know if I stopped praying for Power Wheels, you know, I don't know if I grew out of it or what, but then the question is, well, why didn't God answer that prayer? Why, why, why didn't that happen? What, like, it must not have been God's, must not have been God's will. It must not have been God's will that I get the, the Power Wheels. Well, it probably has more to do with the fact that, well, my mom couldn't afford it, Right? Um, something very simple, um, something very natural, but that was layered underneath it that we didn't fully understand. Uh, we use um, scripture verses like Psalm chapter 37, verse 4, uh, which is a great verse. Uh, it says, uh, delight yourself, right? Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. I mean, I, like, I, the desire of my heart was a power wheels, probably... Um, above and beyond anything else, right? But delight myself in the Lord. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Um, so what if we pray like, Lord, I want joy. Lord, I want happiness. I want, um, Lord, I want to feel content. And I want to feel like I have purpose in life. Right? But I am continually, right? I continue, um, I pray that prayer and 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 I pray that prayer, but I never experience it. I never experience joy. I never experience happiness. I never experience, um, you know, like contentment or purpose in life. Why? Or wouldn't joy and happiness and all of those things, wouldn't that, like, isn't that something that God wants us to experience? Don't you think that that would be a part of his both general will and specific will for life? It might be yes, but it's not about whether or not God desires to give it to you. God does desire to give it to you. What it's about is whether or not you and I recognize what it is that God is trying to pluck out of our lives so that we may be joyful, so that we may find happiness, so that we might find contentment, so that we might live with an eternal purpose. Because we can be praying for and praying for and praying for and praying for joy and happiness and contentment and purpose and all of those things, and we can think in our mind that, well, um, God is going to add all of these things to my life, right? He's going to give me a better job, right? He's going to make, like, he's going he's gonna to change my spouse so that we're not arguing so much, right? We're going to have so much more joy there. And then um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lose a bunch of weight, right? And I'm going to get a raise. And then we're going to finally move into the house that we've always wanted. And, like, all of these things, like, that, that's what's going to, like, so my idea of what it takes to produce joy and happiness in my life is all based on um, possession or the position that I have. When I just get that job and I just have that title and I'm just in that place of authority, then I'm going to feel like, man, I have arrived now and uh, you know, I'm, 
I'm, I'm, I'm here I am. I'm joyful and I'm contentment. And maybe what God is saying, maybe, just maybe, what God is saying is that I want to give you the desires of your heart. But delighting me means that you must understand that the reason you're not experiencing joy and happiness is because you're holding on to unforgiveness. You're holding on to anger. You're holding on to pain. You're, you're holding on to shame. You're holding on to to guilt. And you see, you see, God knows what those things are. And as you, as you pray, Lord, the desire of my heart is joy and happiness and contentment, right? Praying a prayer that God answers is not just about praying the prayer. It's also about listening to the process of Him transforming you through prayer. Because maybe the thing that is missing is not God's answer. Maybe you just don't like what the answer is. So, what does that like? What does that practically mean? <laughs> How does it actually affect my the way that I pray? Right. Well, um, I believe in real practical um, application, or at least the pursuit of real practical application. And so, um, I know that uh, probably more often than not, um, my prayer, my prayers need to be equally as listening as they are as speaking and i need to be i need to be um both aware and willing aware and willing to hear the lord in prayer so if we use that prayer as like a, or we use that verse in psalm 37 as maybe a pattern for how we're going to pray um delight yourself in the lord will give you of your heart. Father, I want so deeply to come out of this mire and muck of depression, of purposelessness, of feeling like I'm just wandering in life and I'm, I'm not happy with anything. And I hate what my life has become. And I don't want any of it anymore. And I want to be joyful and I want to be happy and I want to have, I want to have nice things. But I don't know why I don't have them. I don't know I don't know why my heart is like it is. I don't know why my mind is like it is. I don't know why I feel this way about life. But what I do know, Lord, is that you don't want things for me either. You don't want me to feel this way. You don't want me to be this way. Lord, would you reveal to me and show me, Lord, what am I missing? Where, where has my mind gone astray? Where has my heart gone astray? Where, where have I left behind your best for me? Lord, reveal to me in your word Reveal to me in your in like in gospel community, Lord, reveal to me in worship, Lord, Lord, show me, Father. Bring understanding, bring understanding to my life, Lord, so that so that my desires, so that the things that 
the things that the thing that my heart desires lord would line up for what your heart desires for me so that i can pray for those things In Jesus' name, amen. And so prayer becomes um, prayer becomes not this not this this blind practice of praying for the things that we want, but but never never wading into the deep and vulnerable water of asking God why we don't have them. Why don't I have wholeness in my marriage? Why don't I have um, abundance in my financial life? Why don't I have peace in my mind? Why don't I have freedom from my addiction instead of just saying lord give me wholeness lord give me abundance lord give me freedom lord give me peace it's a i mean it can teeter on the like it can teeter on the fearful way of praying i'm going to pray for these things not really wanting to know why I don't have them or how I can get them. Um, I'm going to be honest with you. Like, I have half a sermon to go. That was this page. I have this one to go. Um, I'm not going to do that to you this morning. Um, <laughs> we have, uh, we're going to, I want to talk to you uh, here in the next, I, I've, uh, Pastor Corey's going to preach next week, and then I'll have um, I'll have one more um, sermon in this series um, after that. But uh, we want we want to talk about uh, we want to introduce the idea of maybe it's an introduction for the first time, maybe you're familiar with it, but we want to talk about the idea of fasting and and what it means to fast and what it doesn't mean to fast. Okay. Um, and uh, because, well, there's, there's a few reasons. One, because Jesus um, in Scripture combines fasting and prayer. They're not, they're not separate things for him. They're not separate practices for him. They're not, they're not separate disciplines. Like when he, when he prays, he fasts. When he fasts, he prays. He doesn't do them both all at the same time, right? But they are intricately linked to each other. Meaning that if you set out to fast, you say, well, the scripture said we should fast, and there's all the examples of fasting, and we should fast. And like, so we set out to fast, but we don't pray while we fast. That, that we, we just, we fast, but we don't pray. We fast, but we don't enter into and think intentionally and beforehand about how we're going to press into a deeper, more intimate um, uh, prayer posture in the midst of our fasting. Then all your fasting is accomplishing is making you hangry, right? Because without, without prayer, fasting is just going hungry. That's all it is, Okay? all it is um so we you know we believe that that we believe scripture believes right that 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 fasting is a um deeply intentional decision to go without food in order to discipline my body and to focus my spirit in prayer now, fasting is an interesting thing because it's kind of like the first rule of Fight Club. You know the first rule of Fight Club? You don't talk about Fight Club, right? And when you talk about fasting, right, um, Jesus' main words on fasting are from Matthew chapter 6, where it's like, if you're going to fast, make sure no one knows you're fasting. 
fasting. Okay? Or if you're going to fast, be sure that the motivation of your heart is on target. Otherwise, it will be a wasted effort. He says, when you fast, Matthew chapter 6, verse 16, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men they are fasting. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head, wash your face so that it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. So this kind of goes along with like the praying thing that Jesus talked about before. It's like you can, walk, you can, you can be fasting and walk around like this all day. Oh, Hey, brother, sorry, uh, fasting today, just super hungry, uh, but deeply spiritual. So, uh, um, right? And, and what's he going to say? He's like, oh, man, we have, way to go. Like, pursue Jesus. Like, you're awesome, man. And, and you know what? You know what Jesus says? is like the reward and praise that you get from men and women is the only reward that, that, that you will actually reap. If, you're, if, you are, if you are sowing seeds of outward spirituality so that it, doing ascetic practices so that everyone sees what you're doing and thinks, oh, how awesome is Cameron that he's fasting. Look how spiritual he is. You know, well, congratulations. That's your reward. But, but, but heaven will hear nothing of it. Heaven will not be moved one single millimeter by your discipline right if the if your show of spirituality motive for the practice see what what god what god desires right um and what what fasting is within scripture right lots of man i told you i wasn't going to preach and here i am preaching uh but listen you need to get this if you've got to go take the pot roast out, go. Um, but that prayer is littered all throughout Scripture. It's not just a Jesus thing, okay? Not just a New Testament thing. We see that, that David went through periods of fasting in Psalm chapter 35. We see that the prophet Isaiah went through periods of fasting, Isaiah chapter 58. We see that Jesus fasted, Matthew chapter 4. We see that the ch- church leaders and apostles and disciples fasted as they were determining um, the the trajectory of the early church in Acts chapter 13 verse 2 and following we see all of these examples of where of where where people are are calling on God in fasting right disciplining their bodies so that they may focus their spirit more in prayer and what we see is that periods of fasting come in people's lives as a response, a whole body response to a serious situation or circumstance. When do we fast? We fast as a response to a serious circumstance or situation. A big decision. Death. The presence of the presence of sin that we cannot shake. Fear. When we, are, when we feel threatened, when we have great need, when we, are, uh, when we or someone near to us is horribly sick. These are all examples of when people fasted in Scripture. Listen, this is what I want you to, this is what I want you to understand. This is the last thing I'm going to say, maybe. Is that is that in Scripture, fasting is never only an instrument to get something that you want or need. It's, it's not that. Like, man, I really need this. I need it more than I need it normally, so I'm going to fast for it. Not going to happen. Fasting is not a... Fastening... Fasting is not like a turbo boost of manipulation to get God to do something that he's unwilling to do, but he just wants you to go hungry in order to show how serious you are about it. Mm -mm. Fasting is always in Scripture, right? Always as a response to something, not the tool 
to get something. It's always a response to a need, a response to a gap, a response to sin, a response to sickness. It is the, it is the natural way that we, that we discipline our bodies so that we may focus our spirit on hearing from the Lord what needs to be done in this moment. You see, why, why is fasting and prayer linked together? Because God has not created us as somehow separate beings where our spirit is all good and our body is all bad. No, God has created us as whole beings where our bodies and our spirits are intimately linked together. He created us. He molded us. He shaped our physical bodies. And then it says in Genesis chapter 3 that he breathed his own breath into us and we came alive, right? So that when we fast and pray, it's like we are, we are putting a big circle around the whole person that is Cameron Linehart, right? And I'm like activating every sense of like body motivation and power as I am spirit motivation and power to focus in like a laser beam on this thing that has happened. Lord, give us fresh vision, Father. Help us to see the future for this city. Help us to know who the right leaders are, Lord, because we, we see the need and we, we understand the brokenness and it's right in front of our faces all of the time, Lord, and we don't know what to do. Lord, and so we, we divest ourselves of every single distraction, every, every single piece of white noise. We want to hear nothing. We want to desire nothing. We want to see nothing. We don't want anything, Lord, but to hear in this moment what you need from us, Lord. So we, we lower ourselves. We humble ourselves. We strip ourselves of everything that we think that we need so that you can show us what we actually need. You could say that, you could say that fasting in prayer is like prayer on steroids. Um, here's my commitment to you this week since I didn't get there. Um, you see this, the website. That's on your card, 21 days of prayer at conduit.com, right? All of the devotionals that are going to be written, all of the schedules um, here are going to be on there, all of the links to the sermons. What I'm going to do this week, my commitment to you, is to write up a um, do's and don'ts practical slash spiritual guide to prayer and fasting, okay? Because I wanted to get there this morning. I obviously didn't, um, but I want that I want to be as practical as I possibly can with that um, so that going into the 21 days there's some you have more tools in your toolbox um, pray with me please Lord Father in heaven we um, As the prayer says, Lord, you are the ground of our beseeching. We love you and we worship you. Let all of our prayer, Lord, be a prayer that shows our delight in you. Lord, may we, pray in, may we pray in such a way that you are able and eager, Lord, according to your character and your word, to answer and to answer quickly, Lord. May we be cut to the heart, Father, with conviction. That you might show us, Lord, the door we must walk through 
in order for the prayer that we've been praying to be answered. Lord, Lord, let us be so brave. Let us be so bold. Let us be so courageous as to pray that prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.